that noise you heard with me unwrapping the cough drop. Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. It's January 23rd, 2024, and I'm just coming off a COVID rebound, okay? I had COVID a week or so ago. Be careful out there because I was fully vaccinated and I still got it with this new strain going out there, and then I had to rebound, so I just myself as feeling like my head is the same size as the as Seabiscuit today, and uh, well, my voice, pardon the pun, is a bit hoarse. Okay, so what can I tell you? You know, it's, it's that kind of a day, but luckily to cheer me up and make this podcast today here on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio, we have great guests. We have Julie Weatherly, the incredible special education attorney and founder of Resolutions in Special Education, that's RISE, okay, and we'll let her explain everything that Julie does, okay, the Weatherly Report, etc. She really is great to know about special education, and she is the guest of my always special guest, uh, Phyllis Wolfram, who's the Executive Director of the Council of Administrators of Special Education, and please pardon me if I sound a little nasally or hoarse or scratchy or whatever word you want to use today. It's just that I'm coming off this thing, but I'm not doing just fine as I pop the cough drop into my mouth. Here we go. Ready? There you go. All right. Welcome to today's show. I'm Larry. We're going to archive the show over at ace-ed.org. we got a new issue of our magazine, Equity and Access, coming up either. I think it's up there now, but if not, it'll be up there later today on the 23rd. And all our information about the Equity Awards is over there as well, plus all the podcasts we do and our standard information about equity and access in today's pre-K, pre-K-12 world. So please go over and check it out. Everything we do is free over at ace-ed.org. And without further ado, let me bring on my wonderful guest. We're going to talk about the special ed administrator's case See Council, the Council of Ministers of Special Education. They have their Academy of Law. And without question, let me bring on the executive director of such. Okay, the one, the only, Phyllis Wolfram. Hi, Phyllis. How was that for Good an introduction? Good morning, Larry. Oh, yeah, my gosh. I'm gonna, yeah. I, I need to have you uh, come to every event I do. How's that? And uh, do an introduction. That was fabulous. Uh, was, cough drop you, or I, no was, cough drop. You're doing great. Yeah, there is no introduction good enough, wide enough, big enough. For you and all the good work you do, my darling. Okay, well, great to have you here. Thank you very You're much. You're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. Great to be and, here. It's a you. <laughs> pleasure to have you here. And Julie, now that I'm cough dropped, how are you today? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Larry. Let me tell you something. I feel for you. Last time Phyllis and I actually did a national webinar together, I was sounding exactly like you, but probably oh, even a little worse. I I sounded like a honking goose. <laughs> It's, it's a, so I feel for you today. It, it's just it's, it's amazing, and I feel I've been considering. I feel just fine. Okay, I don't be a big deal out of it, but it is uh, like I said. I feel like Sea Biscuit on a good day, you know. So maybe I go out and do a run around the track or something. My head certainly feels that big. Whatever, it's great. Okay, it's great to have you here, Julie. It really is, and you do excellent work. And I'm going to ask both of you to define what you do. And since you're on, Julie, tell us what you do. And you are so terrific out there. You really are the leading. Uh, you probably won't. You probably won't accept this compliment. You're probably the leading attorney in special education across the U.S. And I know that that Phyllis and the gang feels this way. Okay, you really know your stuff. Just tell everybody all about what you do and what your group 
thank you for another acronym, RISE, Resolution in Special, special <laughs> Education. Thank you for the acronym. Tell us what you do, Jules, so everybody knows. <laughs> well, first of all, Larry, flattery will get you everywhere. There you go. Um, I hope so. <laughs> I've been doing uh, or practicing special education law now for, you know, somewhere back in the uh, dark ages, uh, going on 38 years this year, uh, working with schools to effectively try to keep them out of what I call deep doo-doo process in special education uh, matters. Um, I learned early on that training the educators was also very important to me. So I, as my twilight years are coming, not anytime soon, but they're certainly on the horizon, <laughs> I uh, prefer to actually do the educational pieces and working with CASE and other organizations and districts and so forth, training educators on the pitfalls of uh, making sure that uh, they comply with the law and what can happen if they don't and that kind of thing. I do own a law firm. I have, um, there's three lawyers. We represent mostly school districts here in the state of Alabama, but only in the area of special education. We are um, very specialized practitioners. We don't do general education work, although there's a whole lot of that as well. We focus only on special education and working with those school districts to help them resolve disputes as quickly as possible if we can and represent them if we have to if we go to some sort of formal proceeding. So that's what I've been doing for about 38 years You have now. been doing <laughs> it and, and, and you have been doing it well I gotta tell you. Okay, you, you really have been, Julia. You're so well respected out there. What got you interested in this side of A, education law and be special education. What got you so interested in that? There's well, not that many people it, who practice that particular area. That Well, that's true. And of course, again, when I started in the dark ages, there were very, very few. And I guess I could say I was lucky uh, when I went to interview at a small law firm in Decatur, Georgia, that at the time represented mm. the largest school district in the state. They were wow. under siege with special ed litigation uh, back in wow. 1986. Mm-hmm. And there were wow. no other lawyers in the firm that really wanted to do the work because it can be very emotional and somewhat touchy-feely, so to speak. Um, so they basically huh. interviewed me specifically um, to see if I would be interested. And fortunately, I'd never heard of I'd never heard of this law. It was not something I learned in law school because it was such a discreet area and just up and coming. But mm. when I was informed that there was a federal law that protected the educational interests of students with disabilities, I was very interested because in my youth I worked with um, Girl Scouts and other organizations and did a lot of activities related to students with disabilities um, in institutions and so forth. And so I was very excited that there was that area of law that I could practice. So I jumped in and ultimately realized there were a lot of school attorneys that don't really feel comfortable with this very specialized area. And many times the, they'll be the general board attorney, but they want some help with special ed, and it just formed into its own separate practice. So I feel very fortunate. <laughs> you know, you know, I work with lovely people. <laughs> and I, the way you're not heading into your twilight years, I want to make that point perfectly clear. You got a long way to go. Okay, so, so well, don't worry about so. that. Yeah, I hope so too. The twilight, the, ladies and gentlemen, the twilight years of Julie Weatherly. It sounds like a good novel. Julie, Julie, Julie Weatherly, the twilight years. 
Okay. We've got a long <laughs> I way like to go. It. We got <laughs> we got, we got a, the sunrise. No, I won't get into it. I could do, do this for hours. Okay, I won't get into the at all. You know, it's, it's interesting when you say that that, you, that there are laws on the books, but law school barely touched them. All right? And, Absolutely. And, and you, yeah, yeah and, and carry that over to, it says, probably to a certain extent today, but certainly when I was a teacher education, and, and Phyllis, you can talk about this. Okay, it's the same way education looked at special education. Okay, it was there, but nobody was talking about it. Okay. And, <laughs> yeah, and I think just, that, you know, so over just, time, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just evolved. You know, it's one of the most, I think you've heard me say this, Larry, it's one of the most complex federal laws on the books. And so much is uh, in the regulations and even in the statute yeah. uh, are not well developed. And it's left up to practice and it's been left up to decisions of court cases to uh, mm. tell us as educators many times, here's the path you need to follow. Here's mm -hmm. some of the, here's the guardrails, here's the practices around this law. Uh, so it has truly evolved over, over the years. And as Julie said, you know, when, it, when uh, she first started out, there wasn't a lot there. Yeah. But when we think about the law, is, is, uh, it's been around for a while, but it's not that old. And um, so, uh, again, it has evolved, and, and we know so much more about um, how the courts have interpreted um, uh, many of the uh, disputes that have come out. And so it gives us, again, those guidelines and, and those things to follow. And Julie has just been... Um, she's been a, a dream for, for Case, and if you think back, uh, she's been a friend of Case for a long, 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 long time, yeah. even before, uh, you know, Bridget and I came on board with Case. But um, during COVID, uh, we found her to be a, a lifesaver for us. Uh, we, uh, we threw out, we were, we were out there in the raft, and we threw a Julie a rope. She pulled us in. <laughs> And we had many conversations about what, what should be, we be doing and what does the law say and getting information yeah, from uh, the Department of Ed and then interpreting that. So um, our visibility as case really, uh, as we've talked about before, really boosted during that time. And now I feel like we continue to have that obligation to provide that professional learning to the field and the area of law. And Julie has been there to really help us do that. And she's always been there. And I got to ask, you know, I'll ask Julie this, and thank you, Phil. Okay. And by the way, Case is a subsidiary of the Council uh, for Exceptional Children. So it's casecec.org. Right. org. And yeah, if you want to check it all yeah. out. They were, by the way, they were on the. Uh, uh, Lori Vanderplug was on the uh, show earlier today. Okay, which is really yeah, a nice show. It was about check it out. Yeah, it was my about, good friend Lori. Oh. Yeah, and it, it was it was about. Um, what we called inclusive leadership, trying to get that lead that special ed school, excuse me, that school leaders should look at as special ed inclusively, okay, and mm -hmm. include it in everything they're doing. That's that's kind of what the theme of the show. It was, it, it was if I may say so, it was pretty darn good. Uh, and and Julie, I, I got to Julie, I got to ask you something, okay? Case is a national organization. You have a law firm that specializes in in uh, Alabama, okay? Because yes. there's 50 states, there's 50 different departments of education. Okay, that's just the way we work it here. All right, plus, of course, there's a federal department of education. Okay. All right. Right. How consistent. Can you hear? 
Wait, can you hear us giggling? You know, we know what you're going to ask, but we are going to let you ask your question. Well, but I'm going to ask this question. Going. How consistent is the, are the laws from state to state to state? In other words, Washington so, and Washington, let's just take Washington and Maine, my two, my, uh, my, where I live, Maine. Okay, Washington, Nevada, whatever you want to talk about. How consistent are the laws? Is anybody well, learning? not terrible. Help? No. Yeah. I will say, uh, and that's what makes it kind of, frankly, a bit challenging, but also more interesting. You know, you have your basic federal law, and federal law is supreme no matter what. And IDEA in Section 504, Section 504 not as much, but IDEA particularly is actually very specific in terms of its mandates. And that's your baseline for states. All of their state guidelines must consists of a federal. Many states don't add to the federal scheme because it's already prescriptive enough. And so there are some assumptions as I travel around the country that pretty much in terms of that baseline is the same for everyone. But I acknowledge and try to understand and try to familiarize myself to some degree if I'm going in to speak with a group at a you know that's in a specific state that might do things a little bit differently. Surprisingly, it's not all that different. It's just a matter of whether a State Department of Education decides to add to the federal scheme. And sometimes they may put more protections in for students and their parents than the federal guidelines consist of, but they can't do less. None of them can do less. And so even amongst... Yeah, and amongst yeah. the court decisions, they don't vary that much um, in terms of their rulings, and that's why we do the you know national um, quarterly weatherly review. And yeah. I feel like every case that comes out from any jurisdiction is somehow, some way, going to be relevant in another jur- jurisdiction. And I found that to be true as well. I mean, very often we'll have an issue that no court in Alabama has even looked at, and the State Department doesn't have anything specific related to that. So I start looking, shoot, for a federal judge in Iowa that had an opinion that might be persuasive. So because it's all generally, wow. the again, baseline is federal compliance, most states, Alabama, for instance, don't add to the scheme too much. Sometimes you'll have legislators that want to do certain things with respect to students with autism and add some protections or whatever it might be. But I try to find those things out before I go in and consult with a district or do a presentation in a particular state. I try to be familiar generally with what state additions might be there. But for the most part, like I said, they are all very consistent because it's a federal scheme they have to comply with. Uh, it does it does make it a little easier? I guess I guess it does make yeah, it a little easier. It does. You know. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> well, guess look, <laughs> some I, would argue with me. Some would say, yeah. "No, we'd rather do it our own our own way." <laughs> yeah, but they do. But they they do take the money a, and they do. You know, they have to do it the federal way. If they exactly, exactly. <laughs> if they don't take the money, they don't have to do it that way, right? Well, but that's still to do it that way, don't they? Well, I don't know. That's yeah, well, question. You know, that there was, you go. There's lawsuit number five thousand. Go ahead. What, what, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. In, fact, in fact, they already had that, believe it or not, early on. I'm there sure. were some states that didn't want to take on all of that. So they said, so what happens to us if we don't take the money? 
and 504 caught them because 504 is a different kind of statute that says you can't discriminate. So in essence, they were required wow. to put programs yeah. in place. Might as well get some money to do it. Wow. <laughs> I'm going I'm to yeah. good. Today's the New Hampshire primary, okay? Conservatives and liberals, they're arguing over my neighboring state, okay, the state where my kids grew up over in New Hampshire. All right, I'm in Maine. Okay, and so uh, so I'm curious what what's what's um what what's going on out there right now? Okay, that that's happening in, in across the country that we need to know. Okay, about Julie, what's happening? Well, I will tell you, and this is you know, frankly, uh, 38 years of doing this work, this has been the number one issue, and that is dealing with students who have significant behavioral issues. Um, you, you could frame it in terms of just discipline of students with disabilities, but it shouldn't be all about discipline. It's oh, really well. struggling with the and, – and over the years, it's increasingly so the hot topic because we are seeing a significant increase in the level of mental health concerns that we have in yeah, schools yeah. and that kind of thing. And so students are aggressive when they're not happy. And <laughs> I was just – on the phone yesterday yeah. with a psychologist, well-known psychologist, who is co-presenting with me at the Case Academy of Law and Leadership. In the spring, we were preparing for our co-presentation, and we had just this wonderful conversation. I learned so much in the 30 minutes just talking to him about, you know, educators really not knowing exactly how to deal with all of these really aggressive yeah, and violent do. behaviors, and the go-to is to expel them or suspend them from school, and that's not doing anyone any good. And it's so it, it, it is and continues to be the hottest topics <laughs> since I've been doing this. There's the whole behavioral wow. aspect and discipline. Mm -hmm. Wow. The hot, but we so, really need some help help in mental health from a political well, perspective. That, I mean, That's across the board. Really, I was just watching PBS mm -hmm. NewsHour the other night, and they were, uh, they were talking about just that, how teachers are really concerned about mental health. And I, I guess it all falls under special ed at that point, but I, I, mm -hmm. it's just bad out there right now. Okay, mm -hmm. and, it, and I, I hope the schools are training educators to work in this different environment that we have. Okay, yes, absolutely. And, that, and, that, and that's a real challenge, you know, as discipline, et cetera, gets you know tougher. Okay, the challenge is, is tougher, and the schools are are they have they 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 still have to fulfill their obligation. All right, mm -hmm. and and I I would imagine are there more are there more lawsuits than ever these days, Julie, regarding so, all this. So you know I'm always looking at that, and um, the end of December, uh, the organization national organization you may have talked to them before, Larry, uh, the Center for Appropriate Dispute Resolu Resolution, also known as Cosrae. No, I don't. I don't. <clears throat> they, yeah, I don't they know specialize. Yeah. Oh, I you don't? Okay, well, no. they're yeah, Somebody they're they're great. Me. Yeah, Phyllis. Phyllis will definitely do that. Phyllis, as well. I am totally in. You, you do. Phyllis, have I talked to Cadre? I haven't talked to Cadre. You haven't brought them. No, no, no. But you know what's on my list of things to do today. There you go. Top of the list. Top of the list. I got you connected. Put it on top of buy peanut butter. Buy extra crunchy peanut butter. Put it on top of the list. Okay. I will. I promise. Thank you. They they do a lot of research um, via reports coming from state departments of education with respect to their complaint um, occurrences and the numbers and everything. So they issued in the, in December 
um, results of their studies for the 2021-22 school year. And I was really interested to grab it just to see if my, you know, experience here in Alabama with my firm and occurrences in due process were the same nationally. Yeah. And, you know, written state complaints, state com- complaints are that process under IDEA where parents can just file. It's, I, I would say it's less formal, obviously. It's not formal litigation. It's just a complaint with the State Department. Um, apparently, those have kind of remained relatively the same over like the last decade. Um, you know, there's been a jump, though, since 2020, apparently. And I did find, and Phyllis and I talked about this a good bit, that there was a little bit of, well, not even a little bit, maybe more than that, dip in the complaints generally because I think parents were so concerned with COVID and, yeah. um, you know, don't have time to complain about what's going on in school, you know, in school closures. And I think even attorneys representing them and advocates didn't feel like it was the time to file a lot of complaints. But I think they're back up again mm. at the state level. Um, due process seems to be, in terms of filings, have been up a little bit, um, but a lot of the numbers are skewed because the state of New York is like 65% of the complaints filed uh, in special education come from the, <laughs> from the state of New York. Uh, so that really? skews things a little bit. Yeah, so it's really kind of interesting, but most of these, and their data is very clear on this, most of the due process filings do settle they get resolved before they're fully adjudicated. And so not a lot of the formal complaints that are filed in the form of due process actually go to a due process hearing in full. But I can tell you just because I'm very, very busy, there is a lot of litigation going on in special education. I'm sure there is. I have to say, what's with New York? Why is New York so high? Well, you know, I I really don't know. I can't say because this is clearly not data-based at all, but they do have a number, several groups, law firm groups that represent families um, very, let's just say, zealously in New York. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, there are what what we might refer to as the frequent filers who, um, you know, they just have a whole lot going on. And, number one, New York is a huge state. So it is. Um, it is. Yeah, but it generally, uh, there was another article written too on litigation, and I noticed that the numbers were from New York were kind of put to the side <laughs> because they're so high. Well, what's uh, the usual? Uh, compl- what are the? What are the? What are the? Uh, I'll say. What are the? What's what's the complaint of the parents or the student? However you oh. want to say that. What's the well, usual? Well, they. Uh, well, the usual is just a general allegation that the school district has not provided a free, appropriate public education. And that's just in general. The parents aren't happy with the services that are the child's hmm. receiving or, for that matter, not receiving when they're supposed to. Yeah. Um, or the quality of the IEP, uh, the individual education program or plan for the student. Uh, we are seeing a number and half for the last several years what we call child fine cases where parents allege that their children need to be evaluated and oh. that they have not been evaluated appropriately for consideration for special education services. Yeah, so, you know, it's you amazing because it, there's, yeah, there's always a shortage of education, special ed professionals. 
and yet the cases are <laughs> yeah. rising. It's 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 like you know it's a, it's, it's just a vicious cycle. And I, I before I want to talk about the Academy of Law cases, do it. But I but I, I have to ask this this question, okay, Julie? This is a weird, one, but anecdotally, who's usually wins the cases? Is, is it the school districts usually win? That, that or or the parents usually win when this is brought up. I don't know. So the the other article that I was talking, yeah. Yeah. yeah, anecdotally, and the other article I was talking about was based on that specifically, and um, you know his research basically has reflected that taking New York out of the considerations uh, and looking at all of the yeah. other due process cases that generally school districts prevail more often, and I will tell you why. School districts don't do battle in these cases unless they feel pretty comfortable that they're going to prevail, that they have done Mm. the right thing for the child, because it is a complete waste of time, energy, staff, (laughs) and money to litigate something like that that doesn't um, have a good chance of prevailing. So I do think that school attorneys generally help their clients pick cases that are worth, you know, uh, doing battle over. Yeah, and, and, and you know, to, to be fair, of course, it's, it's hard to be a special ed parent. It's hard to be a parent, period. But it's hard to be yes. a special ed parent. They, you know, they, they see the laws. They want the best for their kids. They're always pushing. And then there's the, the, that people don't understand there's such a shortage of the professionals to help along. It's really – and then the federal laws say you have to do something, and it's mandated. They don't even give you the money to do it. I mean, it's just just brutal out there, you know? And yeah, it's, we're, and you know. it's hard it, – it's heart wrenching um, because there are so many things that need to be done, and we're we're seeing fewer people willing to step to the plate to do it. It's and COVID really impacted that um, in a in a uh, in a really <laughs> negative way yeah. in terms of people feeling like you know life's too short for this, especially if they get entwined in one of these complaints or disputes. Um, I've seen some really good teachers and other service providers that just say, yeah, I'm going to find something else to do. Yeah. And that's it's too tough. bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, is, it is too bad. And, uh, wow, it's, it's just brutal out there. All that said, we still need more edu- We still need more special educators. Okay. Absolutely. We, we need to resolve these things <laughs> and all that. So let's, let's do this. Case is going to have – let's go to the amazing Phyllis Wolfram. Okay, case is going to have the Academy of Law and Leadership. When is that? Yes. Where is that? How is that? The executive, ladies and gentlemen, the executive director of case, Phyllis Wolfram. Larry, the Case yes. Academy of Law and Leadership will be in Minneapolis, Minnesota, April 16, 17, and 18. And registration is up on our website at uh, casecec.org. Um, I will tell you that a number of our presentations, the majority of our presentations, will be attorneys and special ed directors presenting together. Uh, so we're talking about here is the uh, here is the issue, here is uh, the piece of IDEA that we implement in our school district. Here's some of the legal parameters, maybe even concerns or challenges around it with the director saying, and here's how I implement this, here's how I deal with this in my school district. So it's not just the legal aspect, it's the practitioner perspective as well. And because as we talked earlier about the behavior being such a challenging issue for uh, all of our directors, we are gonna have a strand on behavior 
We have invited a couple of our good friends uh, as we talk um, a number of our districts, and I would say a good majority of the districts around the nation use CPI with the Crisis Prevention Institute. Maybe that's another friend I need to introduce you to. Oh, please, please they, bring them on. Yeah, they, have please. Some, they have some new training coming out, and so they're going to do a strand for us at the conference, along with CADRE, the Center for Appropriate Dispute Resolution in Special Education. And then we're going to have a panel of attorneys, along with – uh, our headliner, Julie Weatherly, uh, Jim Walsh, and Eric that? Hartwig. I know. <laughs> she's fabulous, Julie Weatherly. I, um, I, mm-hmm. <laughs> I can attest to it firsthand. Um, uh, so anyway, we, we think we've got a great lineup. We feel like this is something that our uh, our members, as well as our just our followers, even if they're not members of CASE, we'd love everyone to be a member, but... Uh, a number of people just take advantage of the professional learning that we're offering, and that's great. But we think we've got uh, a great lineup for them, some uh, great sessions. Uh, we've been working really hard to get this going, and uh, we're excited for April uh, to get here. So, and I got I, I got to ask this, and, and, and this is really important, okay? And I got to it's just I do it, special ed administrators need to be there, but so do administrators. General administrators, especially. Okay, I mean they need to be there too because the special ed director knows all this. They run to them and they go, "What the hell are you talking about?" Okay, they can't. You know what I mean? They got to be there because this is a big part of education these days. What's what's, yeah? And how we do it on that? We really get the math. Yeah, Yeah. we really yeah we really encourage the. Uh, Special ed directors, too. I mean, when you're in a larger school district, you have layers of people who have supervisory and uh, positions of authority that need to understand this. So uh, bring your staffs, uh, bring, uh, and you know, including your principals and your assistant principals in particular, as we were talking about dealing with behavior and discipline. Um, So come one, come all to the Case Academy of Law and Leadership. It's a personal invitation. It's kcec.org. Awesome. Can they come virtually, or do they have to be there in person? It is in person this year. Um, so we, we're not offering a virtual component, but uh, come visit with us, come network, uh, come and meet your colleagues who can help you out. Uh, we are, we're going to be face-to-face in Minneapolis. Yeah, it's really, really it, – it, it's just so darn important because – this is really happening, and you know, and Julie said it before. You know, school districts are busy enough; they got enough aggravation out there. Okay, they don't mm-hmm. need lawsuits one on top of the other. You know, it's it just <laughs> you are you correct. Going to be correct? Nobody needs that. Nobody yeah. wants it. Okay, mm-hmm. so, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you you got to stop it. You got to stop it before uh, uh, you know it, it begins. Okay, and understanding it all makes sense and that's where that's that's where we are i mean it's just it's just incredible okay julie do, do when you look at all this and even special ed administrators do they have a good understanding of the law that that surround them and you know i'm asking that special ed administrators do principals really understand it as well as they should uh you know the superintendents on the I don't know if they that's do. That's a loaded yeah. question, Larry. It is. Fire away. It might be loaded. Talk Fire about away. put me on the spot, but I guess yeah. in general, my one-word answer would be no. They're not right. generally aware. 
Um, that's why I generally feel like I have way more uh, than I can handle trying to get the word out. And please understand, it's not a matter of not wanting to know or wanting to understand. It's just not something that's necessarily included in their schooling. Um, I do that's right. a that's training. A, that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do a training um, that I co-created uh, with a very experienced long-term educator. Um, he's on the administrator side. And when I approached him about uh, co-developing the program for those who serve um, as administrative leaders at IEP team meetings, he said he couldn't wait to do that because in that leadership training that many of our school administrators receive, special education is very rarely part of that. If mm -hmm. it is, it's yeah. just a little piece of it. Yeah. When it winds up being 80 to 90% of the time an issue in their school, and they just don't know how to respond appropriately to it. And so that's a problem because schools can be held liable for not appropriately training their personnel to be compliant. Um, so yeah, it's, I would, yeah, I would. it's <laughs> it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. I would also add, in addition to that, Larry, the reason, uh, you know, one of the reasons we're doing the Academy of Law and Leadership, as well as continuing with our case conference, is so many new leaders in the field. Yes. Um, you know, we oh, have yeah. so yeah. many retirements yeah. and people who yep. Um, yep. said, yep. I, I'm, I've, I've put my 30 years in or even less. Uh, COVID was hard on a number of our educators. So what we know is that the majority of those leaders in special education, those directors and supervisors and coordinators are really new. We, we do surveying when we're traveling across the country and talking about case and uh, it, almost in every meeting there is like 70% of the uh, leaders that are in the room are within one to five years. And that's, wow. those are young, those are young, uh, yeah. young leaders maybe not in age, but in uh, depth of knowledge about special yeah. administration. So uh, it's important that we continue to do professional learning. It, it, it really it really and truly is, and it has to just, I mean, you just have to keep going. And the, the one group that, and I, I, I've been to ask this before, we talk about administrators and principals and all that, but one of the keys in this, and we really talk about it, I don't know how CASE interacts with it, is the school boards, okay? Maybe I should ask Julie that. Julie, Talk about the administrators, but they're the, the managers for a public bureaucracy. Okay, what's the word <laughs> on school yes. boards? Yeah. Well, I will actually just based on my experience, and this disheartens me a good bit, it is very rare that I am asked to present to educate a school board on these obligations. Um, we have a pretty good Alabama Association of School Boards here, and they do um, require board members to be uh, trained, but they get to pick the topics. And unfortunately, special ed doesn't show up very often. Um, but I will go and train a board anytime, anywhere, because they absolutely need the knowledge to be able they to do. support what's going on and request for staff. You know, when the special ed director says, I'm, you know, we need more aides, we need more speech-language pathologists, whatever, the board understands how significant that is because students that don't get those services under IDEA, they can sue over that. <laughs> and, wow. Uh, 
it, you know, it surprises me. I've had several districts I work with that were adamant, and their board would have me in once a year. And I always really appreciated that and appreciated their interest. But those were those are times gone now. So um, you're so right, though. That's so so needed. It, um, it really is because they they you know they control the public funds. They control yeah. you know, they they are the controllers. They're the voice of the people. It's amazing. Absolutely. This is just great. Okay, so everybody check in. It's Case CEC. It's their Academy of Law. It's in April. You got to go there. It's the Minneapolis is a good place. Okay, in April. Okay, it's really going to be good stuff, and I hope everybody does. Okay, Julie, thanks for being here. I love it. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. You're welcome here anytime. You know that, and Phyllis, you know that too, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna follow up on my top yeah. of the list. Uh, uh, Cadre and CPI. You got it. You got okay. it, my friend. It's good stuff. We'll, we'll get it together. All right. Both okay. of you, thanks so much. This was just great. I appreciate it. Very informative. Thank you. Both of you, have a good day. Thank you, too. Thank, Thank you. Now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody, great. CaseCEC.org, and that's Julie Weatherly. Julie, just you can Google her resolutions in special education that's her company we're talking about the case academy of law and this whole thing's going to be uh, archived at ace-ed.org i'm larry jacobs thanks for listening